You're listening to a DM podcast. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline, and my aim is to help positively change the way you think one healthy conversation at a time. Through storytelling, these deeper conversations have been designed to act as a virtual toolkit. I like to pack them with practical advice, thought-provoking insights, and life-changing rituals. Together with my wonderful guests, my hope is that this podcast inspires and empowers you to thrive in all aspects of your life. If you're feeling ready to rise up to new challenges, radiate positivity, and have an unshakable belief in yourself, then take a deep breath, buckle up, and let's go on this ride together. Eliza, my beautiful friend, welcome to the Healthy Hustles podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you. So exciting. We've chatted about this so many times for so many years. So many years. <laughs> so for context, Eliza and I became, I, you were like my first business bestie, I reckon, Aww. back in five years ago when I started the Healthy Hustlers podcast and we were working for a beautiful brand together um, as ambassadors and we just like instantly connected, didn't we? We I remember, I'll never forget like seeing you for the first time after like months and months of chatting and I was just like, oh, wow, we're already best friends. (laughs) Oh my gosh, totally. Do you remember actually how we first, first met though? At the cafe. But do you know how we met at the cafe? I sent you this total fangirl email. Do you remember it? We have to go back in your inbox and find it. I was like, dear Madeline, my name's Eliza. I listen to the Healthy Hustlers every single week. You're such an inspiration. I would love to chat with you further. <laughs> That's literally oh how it just I'm popped like into my mind. blushing now. <laughs> my cheeks are red. Oh, I love that. Yeah, you are an OG listener of the podcast, oh, which is why this is so special because you are literally a super entrepreneur and oh. an incredible mama. Your little girl, Zadie, is only two weeks older than Rocco, yeah. my second, but you've been there for George's journey too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've been, you know, business friends and just life friends for so long. You were living in New York, uh, in Hong Kong, sorry. And yeah, we've just had such a beautiful friendship. So yeah. I'm so excited to have you on the show as and a guest. Me too. And it's largely, our relationship has largely been via social media or texting. So it's totally. so nice to be sitting I together know. at a table. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've only really, like, we've probably only been together, like, Four or five times yeah, yeah. because COVID was obviously a long part of that. Mm-hmm. You were living overseas. I was in Melbourne. There was so much of like our friendship that we were both locked down and restricted. Yeah. Today's Mama Chat has been brought to you by my beautiful friends at Bubba Bump. It is a gorgeous family business that provides a one-stop shop for not only the baby essentials, but also mother's postpartum care needs, which for me in my second birth was an absolute game changer. Bubba Bump are really known and also so loved by their community for supporting and nurturing both mums and babies. They have gorgeous baby wrap carriers as well as some baby organic lounges, which in my opinion are an absolute non-negotiable, while also having such a beautiful focus on the postpartum care of mothers. Support the people that support this podcast and check out bubbabumpbaby.com.au for all your baby essentials and mother's postpartum care. For the audience, for the listeners, can you give a little bit of a background, a little insight into Eliza, who you are as both just Eliza, but also Eliza, the business owner, the CEO and the mama? Yeah, sure. So I'm Eliza, as Madeline has kindly introduced me. I have a beautiful little girl, Zadie Bella, who is 
17 months-ish. I'm not sure when you stop saying months, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> 17 months, um, who is the light of my life but has also been the most challenging aspect of my life, which I'm sure most mothers can attest to. Um, I'm a midwife. My background is I'm a registered midwife and a perinatal mental health specialist. Um, And I have a couple of businesses. I have Bump and Bub, which is an educational platform, which is where Mads and I originally met. Then I have a podcast as well, Baby Baking and Kid Raising. (laughs) And recently, owner of Frandro's Kitchen, which we create lactation cookies and motherhood hydration powders. So Insane. I honestly do not know where you find the time in your day to have all of those titles. Mm, it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's amazing. <laughs> so if you follow me on Instagram, you would see me post about the hydration powder that I drink in every single glass and drink bottle of water. <laughs> I cannot consume water very rarely unless it's in a social setting yeah. without your hydration powder. I love though that once upon a time you were a midwife yeah. delivering babies. Mm-hmm. Now you are like self taught like heart-driven <laughs> entrepreneur it's yeah. incredible it's a wild shift and I always think holy heck I think catching babies was easier sometimes yes <laughs> do you ever take a moment to look back at young Eliza mm-hmm. and think you know how proud she would be of this career and this path that you've paved I don't actually but I should I do you I, I, yeah I don't I don't and I haven't really but it's yeah it's amazing and I think the whole kind of notion of bump and bob started because I was like you know I go into work and I look after one woman, but imagine if I could scale that slightly. And this was only when social media just had kind of started gaining traction. But imagine you could offer support or education or resources to women on a bigger scale than just one-to-one in midwifery. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think past me would be really proud of that. Like you've got such an engaged online community. It's amazing. I'd love to know with your past experience of being a midwife, obviously being surrounded by so many women who are becoming mums for the first time and being such a special part of that journey. I'd love to know what your expectation of becoming a mum was versus what it's actually been like for you to become a mum for the first time. Yeah. I had a lot of knowledge, obviously, in being a midwife about what I thought it was going to be like. But also, you know, I'd provided so much education and knowledge for so many years, both mm. as a midwife and then on Bump and Bub. Um, and if you'd asked my husband, um, the day we met, I think we, I was 21. Um, and from the day I met, I was basically talking about having kids. Like I was I was ready. Oh, I, yeah. th- I thought I was ready. <laughs> Laugh, laughing, looking back. But thought I was ready from such a young age. It's all I wanted to do with my life um, when I was 16, 17 and, you know, a what, what am I going to apply for at uni? And we're thinking about that. I was like, but I just want to be mum. So I went into midwifery. So, you know, what help other people. <laughs> Good first step. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Look up mamas. Um, so, yeah, it was just my greatest calling in life. And, you know, having a baby has been wildly different to what I expected, which is, I guess, quite strange because I, I honestly, if you'd have asked me, I would have thought I was incredibly prepared. Mm. And, like, I knew what was to come. But I think in midwifery, you know, we're so um, knowledgeable about pregnancy and birth and breastfeeding and, and the postpartum up until like six to eight weeks, 12 weeks. And then we don't really know anything as midwives, yes. to be honest. Or we're taught very little. We don't know too much unless you go on to do further studies or whatnot. So, yeah, I had a pretty good handle up until then. And then I was mm. just lost. <laughs> What's been the biggest reality check or just like, whoa, I did not think mm. that this would be so hard like it's such a cliche answer but sleep yeah like I just think and everyone says it to you and it's just an impossibility to understand what it's like to have a very 
um, difficult sleeper until mm-hmm. you have one. Like Mads and I were just, well, you know, we we're just chatting about this. But, you know, our children still aren't sleeping through the night yeah. at 17 months. Um, and Zadie was a chronically bad sleeper. She was like a good night was 10 wake-ups. It was horrendous. Um Crazy. Yeah, it was just, it was hard to live as well, I guess, in sharing a lot of that online because you get an awful lot of opinions back. Yeah. Um, and that can be difficult to navigate as well because I was quite Definitely. firm um, or quite steadfast in my belief that I didn't want to do sleep training, um, mm-hmm. even though we were struggling immensely. Um, and that was just my personal belief. But I guess you start to think about anything. I was thinking about dropping her off down the road at some points, like I was just done. Um, And I think the emotions that sleep deprivation mixed with hormones, mixed with being touched down, mixed with breastfeeding, mixed with all of the things caused anger, a lot of anger. And that was something that astounded me. I couldn't Mm. believe how angry I felt. And I've shared this a little bit, but it's such a almost shameful feeling when you're Mm -hmm. a mother and you've got this tiny infant who's crying and they don't know. They just want their mum. They just want to be breastfeeding. They want to be co-sleeping. They want to be close. Yeah. But for me, I've always been a terrible sleeper. So, Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't have her in my bed. I didn't want her touching me. I couldn't sleep at the best of times. So, like, having the realisation that what she wanted was sometimes I couldn't give or I'd given my absolute all and I had nothing left to give and that causing anger was Mm -hmm. quite surprising to me. And I can look back now and be like... Jeepers, some of those days were scary. Yeah, definitely. Mm. There is so much that I can so deeply relate to. Mm. And I know we've connected personally over, you know, a lot of this over the last 16 months. And I definitely had, well, I can call her now a unicorn firstborn who slept through the night from five weeks. So I honestly had, Mm. like mums would tell me they're tired and I was like, oh yeah, I know. (laughs) Like I actually had no idea of exactly what you're talking about, of what sleep deprivation can do to you, the thoughts that you have, the anger that you hold. And I want to dive into a lot of that today because I think something that you have shown me is like it's okay to normalise that stuff. Like we're actually all feeling it. Like anyone that is in the trenches of sleep deprivation is feeling exactly what Mm. we were too. Yeah. I'd like to backtrack a tiny bit though and I really want to ask you when you spoke about like your beliefs or what you wanted to I guess stay true to when it came to sleep and sleep training and your own thoughts you're obviously getting all of this like these online opinions about what you should be doing for your baby how did you stay true to your own beliefs in that time even though you were at total breaking point? It's weird. And I was thinking about this on my drive here. And I was thinking motherhood for me has been something that I've never, I just haven't really been swayed by the opinion of others. And I don't, Mm. I don't even have really an answer as to why. I don't know if it's because I've thought about parenthood for a decade before I became a parent or what, but you know, in business or in exercise or just in general life things, I can quite easily be persuaded, I'm not going to lie, yeah. or, you know, open to receiving feedback or open yes. to doing things differently or trying something new. But with parenthood, I'm like, no, like, mm. I'm just not interested. Yeah, I know okay. the way that I want to parent and, you know, and I don't, I don't always meet that. But yeah. uh, Stuart and I are just so kind of steadfast in the way that we wanted to and will respond to our baby and yeah. it just hasn't really... I don't know. It's bizarre, actually, when I think about yeah, it. Yeah. So even in those like hardest, kind of darker, mm. angry fueled moments, you've been able to stay true to the way you want to give and nurture her. Yeah. I mean, we we did hire. We ended up hiring some sleep experts who, um, you know, claimed they weren't in to cry it out and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And every 
I think we did three <laughs> for the year um, of just trying to do gentle things and none of it worked. Yeah. So I think it just kind of furthered my belief that I knew my baby and eventually yeah. she would sleep. But yeah. right now it wasn't that time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'd had three, you know, professionals with decades of experience be like, oh, no, we're not sure what's going on here, you know? Yes. Um, she's just, she's a koala baby and unless mm. she's touching me, she's never really slept. And that's so normal. That's the other thing is like it's so easy to get caught up in this, my baby doesn't want to sleep in a, in a bassinet alone in their room. Yeah. But that's normal. It's a biological need. Definitely. But when you're in it, it's soul destroying. I'm not mm-hmm. going to lie. But I think that notion in the back of my head also kept me going like this is a physiological, biological process where infants need and want to be close to their mums. Yes. I actually remember reading a book when I first had Georgia and like I said earlier I was very lucky with her she was a great sleeper yeah she never had the need to come into our bed she would sleep in any environment mm. but you know I always rocked her and because that was the way like I wanted to nurture her to go to sleep yeah not that she now at four she still needs it I'm laying in her bed every night for her to fall asleep <laughs> oh shit I've set myself up here <laughs> but you know that came down to a safety thing but I remember reading it in a book 99% sure it was a conscious parent book Mm. Um, and she spoke about how so often we're told that like well they've got a dry bum a full tummy they're burped like they're warm they should be fine but she's like we we literally forget about the actual need and desire that a baby has to Mm. just be close to you and there's certain things personally in my motherhood journey that I've read and I cannot undo that knowledge Mm. and it's like that is now my power yeah and for me I'm like I know Mm. that they have that need and you're obviously the same and I think maybe that sometimes yeah where you can be stronger on wanting to do things the way that you want to do absolutely and I think as a society we have this bizarre obsession with making babies independent and children independent from birth and it's yes it, it is bizarre but it's also I think largely comes down to marketing tactics and, Mm -hmm. you know, branding and all of the things that we don't necessarily need. Like at the end of the day, I remember being a midwife, or I am a midwife, but being a midwife on the wards and being like, you know, at the end of the day, you probably need a baby carrier. That's really about it for those first few months. There's so much else that you can buy. But, you know, keeping your baby close is what they want. And even then I was like 21 telling mums this and being like, I'm sure that's all your baby need. And there we are with our seven different carriers at home. We swap in one, swap out other when our backs are breaking. And that was was us. And my baby made sure that I knew that was damn true. (laughs) She's like, I'm going to make sure you live up to this. I'm going to make sure, mum. I'm going to make sure. And it's Mm. so funny now for me having my second because I feel like with Georgia, I really wanted to rush through everything, you know, I wanted her to be eating the solids and then I wanted her to be feeding herself and then talking and walking and doing an old things. Yeah. Now with Rocco, like he's 16 months and I still sit there and feed him dinner most nights. Yeah. But the funniest part is that even though Georgia was independently feeding herself for 10 months, mm. she's now four and wants me to spoon feed her. So I'm like, why did I rush all of this anyway? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's so funny. I know I probably didn't prep you much on this one, but I know a big thing for your journey has obviously been you went through some birth trauma with Zadie. Having, again, that experience of being a midwife and then not necessarily having a birth that went to plan, how have you managed to kind of, I guess, navigate that in your mind and slowly become comfortable with that journey over time? Yeah, so it was and is a hard topic, um, to be honest, I guess, to think about and talk about. Um, Mm. So I, as a quick summary, uh, lived in Hong Kong, or Stuart and I lived in Hong Kong, and we moved back when I was almost 30 weeks pregnant. Uh, We came back to lockdown and COVID and a struggling maternity healthcare system. Uh, And I guess as a midwife, I've thought about 
pregnancy care and how my pregnancy would look for a decade more. Mm-hmm. I've been obsessive. I've been thinking about it, like just obsessively. Like I used to think, oh, I'm going to have my midwife over and we're going to sit sitting on the couch and I'm going to bake cookies and we're going <laughs> to drink tea and we're going to talk about me pregnant. Um, anyway, so then I went in. I've only ever worked in a large tertiary hospital where that's been nothing, nothing like the care that we've been able to provide. But anyway, so we came back and I didn't have a great experience in the hospital system um, straight up just because there was such a... Such an overwhelm. I mean, as we influx all know. Influx of babies. Yeah. yeah. An influx yeah. of babies, but also just lockdown puts totally. so much pressure on the healthcare system. Yeah. Um, so after my first appointment in the hospital where Stuart wasn't allowed to come in and he had to wait outside and we had masks on and I had a student midwife during my appointment and it was all just not what I imagined. I left and I was like, I have to find a private midwife. Mm-hmm. I've never thought about having a home birth before. Um just for me personally, oh, I so think you had it was, never entertained that before, that no. idea. I oh, think because I I'd worked in such a um, clinical tertiary setting, yes. I think unfortunately it had. Um, I just don't think that I, it was the place that I would feel comfortable birthing, yes. just because I'd no, seen totally a lot. Fair enough. Yeah, um, which which is unfortunate because me as a student midwife was like, oh, that's all I'm going to do, and then I kind yeah. of got caught up in the system a little bit. But that's also I was in a large tertiary hospital where we had very sick mums and babies, so it wasn't an accurate representation. But anyway, I left, called every single midwife in Sydney, every single one. I went through a list of like, there's not that many, there's like 35 or something. I went through a list and called every single midwife who was fully booked because, as anyone will know, who's gone through the private midwifery system, you have to get in as soon as you wee on a stick. And I was yes. almost 30 weeks oh pregnant. My um, and I called this one beautiful midwife, Kira, and she was like, oh, funnily, I've just had someone move to another state. So I have a, a place. And I was like, oh, thank Amazing. you. Meant to be. Um, yeah, meant to be. So anyway, we started our journey with her and it was the most unbelievable, phenomenal care. She mm. literally came to my house and I was fulfilling <laughs> that dream of having a midwife on my couch yeah. and getting to bake cookies. And during COVID where things were still, you know, eerie and a bit scary and a bit, yes, you know, lockdown was still in force. It was so nice to have someone come to my house, literally didn't have to go <laughs> leave. Um, and she would come to my house and we'd just chat for an hour about my baby. Oh, um, my so it was beautiful and it was amazing. And it was just one of, one of, if not the highlight of my pregnancy. It was so lovely. And so we'd planned for a home birth. Uh, and to be honest, looking back, I think I never actually felt comfortable with it. And yes, I think that okay. it's maybe a large reason f- for the things that unfolded happen. that did unfold. Yeah. So, which is unfortunate because, you know, conscious me is like, why wouldn't I feel comfortable? I was low risk. I was healthy. My baby was healthy. I was the perfect candidate for a beautiful home birth with incredible midwives. But I think subconsciously, I just didn't do the work in Mm -hmm. terms of actually feeling comfortable. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I got to 40 weeks and 41 weeks and 42 weeks and I still hadn't had my baby and had not a single sign of labor. Um, and so by that point, after 42 weeks, I started to feel a little bit um, uncomfortable with it, – it, it's a very hard one. Again, like I, I felt like I was almost an imposter. I'd been yelling from the rooftops for decades about like, you know, babies come when they're meant to come. And we yes. have such a high induction rate. And so many of those d- inductions are often just because, because of timings of medical system and health professionals and not necessarily what women want or women need or babies want or, yes. or babies need rather. And so I'd been talking about this for so long about, you know, babies come when they're meant to come, like let your body do its thing. There's no rush. Your baby is safe and well. Mm. And here I was at 42 weeks pregnant being like, my baby's never coming. Like, what am I going to do? And so I chatted with my midwife and she was, you know, she'd had a few women go over 42 plus two days um, where I was. She was quite confident in just waiting. But I think at that point for me, it was getting... I just, my, I could feel my mind 
slipping. Yes. And so I decided to scrap our beautiful home birth and head into hospital. Yeah. Um, and at that point, my body just wasn't showing a single sign of labor, like nothing. Crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Not a single thing. My child, but it's also representational of my child who yeah. still does not want to leave me at any point <laughs> ever. Um, so, yeah, I went to hospital. I had a horrendous three-day induction. She was born at 42 and a half weeks. Um, perfect, healthy, but we had a yeah pretty crappy birth, um, yeah. which resulted in an emergency C-section after a fair few days of labour. Uh, I hadn't had an um, unfortunate episode with the epidural, which left me paralysed for the whole birth and a lot of after. Um, and yeah, just a really crappy experience that, I don't know, midwives just don't think they're going to yeah. happen their birth. I think I'd done all the – I'd been in acupuncture and chiropractor and I'd been going to you know, Pilates and swim class and yeah. this and then that and I was so prepared for this beautiful magical birth and I was drinking my red la- raspberry leaf tea and eating my dates and like everything you could think of I was bloody doing and my child wasn't coming. But wow. again, it's a, such a lesson. Parenthood is the ultimate lesson. Definitely. Do you feel like you know what the lesson is? Like have you had some hindsight moments where you're like – this is like, that's what I needed to learn or that's what I needed to experience. I think for me, it's obviously surrender. Like parenthood is yeah. so, so often so far out of our control and as is birth. But I also think if I'd had maybe that perfect physiological water birth at home, I might not have been as understanding or as knowledgeable about birth trauma and just how what mm. it can do. Like I really struggled to bond with Zadie. And whilst I'd, you know, been across that night and I could educate and, and I had knowledge about that. I didn't know what it was like to hold this baby and feel no attachment to yeah. it. And that was me. And that was the last thing on earth if that I imagined happening. I was just mm. so excited for this baby. And then she was here and I was like, I, I don't like, I don't even know. I don't even feel much for you. And it yes. was just this horrible realization. I guess looking back, it was, yeah, it was, a, I think the whole birth, <laughs> the whole process was a lesson and it's kind of shaped where things have gone for me and where they are going to go in terms of really being passionate about perinatal mental health and yeah. birth trauma and all of these kind of discussions as well. Things happen for a reason. You know, mm. there's always lessons in things and yeah. sometimes it's really hard to find those. Um, and I know for me personally, like I had the picture perfect pregnancy and birth and everything with Georgia and I, you know, now I look back and think to what I used to say to people and I'm like, it's not everyone's experience. Yeah. And with Rocco, I had the polar opposite, you know. Yeah. I had really bad postpartum blues with him. Mm. I had a very intense birth. He had so many health challenges. Like, mm. But all of those were lessons so that I had awareness for how hard it can actually and how dark it can actually get. Yeah. And I think too, you know, when you're in a space where you can – I guess, inspire or empower or share mm. knowledge, sometimes those lessons need to come a little bit harder or faster or, you know, in a yeah. big wake-up way. Understanding that and processing that would have been huge. It still is. I'm sure when I have, we have another baby, I'll need to, you know, really dull a little bit You might get your picture perfect. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Fingers crossed. But, um, yeah, it was wild and it was and it really shaped the first few months of my yes. parenthood journey, which yeah, I thought I were going to be so beautiful and bubbly and we're just not definitely we're not, just not. Yeah. yeah if there is a one thing that I learned the hard way after becoming a mum for the first time was how important it actually is to nurture yourself during those early stages of the postpartum journey the first time around I put so much emphasis on my pregnancy journey but then I just completely neglected my body and health once my baby arrived I promised myself that I would never, ever let that happen the second time around. So my second pregnancy, I had such a huge focus on preparing myself for the postpartum journey. A 
time to really nurture both mum and baby. I was so thrilled and happy when I stumbled across Bubba Bump on Instagram. It's a gorgeous family business and it actually provides a one-stop shop for both baby essentials and also mother's postpartum care needs. Bubba Bump's labour prep kit and postpartum recovery kit aim to really ease the unexpected pain and discomfort that follows having a baby. Their packs are available in both vaginal and C-section options with the aim of catering and nurturing all mothers. I personally loved the idea of these kits. It just took so much pressure away from, I guess, knowing what you actually need after having a baby. If you'd like to find out more, definitely check out Bubba Bump's full range of baby essentials and postpartum care needs by visiting their website, bubbabumpbaby.com.au, or you can just click the link in the show notes and it'll take you directly to their website. I really want to touch a little bit on the anger and frustration, rage that we spoke about a little bit earlier, you touched on a little bit earlier, because I'm sure that ties in a little bit to what you experienced with the birth trauma and obviously, you know, not having that blissful, joyful love bubble that you had once imagined. Mm. You talk about on your socials a lot, just the anger that has come with being a parent and it's interesting because looking back, I probably had that with Georgia, but I was never willing to let anyone know that yeah. or express that. And I really admire how you've, I guess, normalised that a little bit on your channels and you, you know, mm-hmm. openly share with mums like this is this is hard. Like today, I feel so frustrated. Yeah. What's that journey been for you? You know, had you been someone that had felt anger before, and or is this kind of a whole new? experience a whole new feeling don't think I've ever felt anger to the level that I had when I when those first probably four to seven months postpartum Mm. it wasn't even the real initial newborn stage that I felt that anger but from that yeah four months ish when sleep just went to absolute shit yeah (laughs) yeah it was tough it was really tough and I remember one day I literally put on my social media a picture of me, my feet, and I was just walking and I walked on the road and I literally wrote, I've had to leave the house today. I remember that. Remember? I remember that. I've had yes. to leave the house today because I'm at the point where I don't feel it's safe to literally be around my baby. Yes. And I shared that and I don't even know why I shared that, but and I never really shared about anything anger-wise before mm. and I'd probably never felt that level of anger before. And I remember going off social media and going back on hours later and I've never gotten so many messages. It was unbelievable. There was emails. There was messages. There was just people being like, what do you think it is? Do you think it's normal? Do you th- I- I've also felt that way and I have to leave sometimes and I've never spoken about it. And I was like, holy hecka, like mum's ashamed for everything, <laughs> A, yeah. but B, I understand why this can come with shame. And as I said earlier, yes. like, you know, you've got this tiny little infant and they don't know. There's no manipulation as people would like mm-hmm. to put it. There's no, they're just innocent, pure little things. And to feel angry at them or, or even a, about how you're feeling internally, it might not have to do with anger mm-hmm. at your baby. It can feel shameful. Definitely. But the only things that ha- the only thing that happens when we feel shame and when people are shamed is situations get worse and situations get dire and dangerous. Yes. And so if we talk about ways that we can work around that anger, even if it's me saying like I had to put my baby down, I had to get my husband from work and say mm-hmm. you need to come home now and I had to go yep. out for half an hour. Yes. That was the safest option. That was what I needed. That was what my baby needed. Yes. Even if she cried for that whole half an hour, I couldn't mm-hmm. be there anymore. Yes. And I'd reached my capacity. Mm-hmm. But if we talk if we don't talk about that, mm-hmm. you know, we, we don't want things to go in, mm-hmm. into a dangerous territory, into a dire state. And post postpartum anger or postnatal anger is also often, you know, often linked with other mental health issues, obviously, can be isolated, but it can also be 
connected with depression and, yeah. and um, psychosis and OCD and all of mm-hmm. these other things that women struggle with. And this part, for some reason, is often silenced, the anger or the rage yeah. and just, yeah, nothing good happens when we shame people mm-hmm. for mental health. and Not at all. And negative feelings. So, Definitely. Yeah, so open about talking about Yeah, it. no, and I, it's something that, like, I'm so grateful that you have spoken about because then it opened a conversation with me and one of my close friends where I was like, I just feel so much rage mm-hmm. like towards my baby. Like at night I would go in to his room when he's upset and I would just be like raging. Yeah. Like, And I, it was like I could feel the steam coming out of my ears. Mm. But I hadn't slept more than, you yeah. know, a two-hour block in months. Yeah. Like, you know, I was looking after two kids, mm. trying to run a business. Like, of course I was going to feel angry. But yeah. it was like as soon as you opened up that conversation and it's like I could take a deep breath and be like, mm. oh, I'm human. And then that opened a conversation with a friend who's like, oh, my goodness, I've had the worst few months. Like mm. I've started to, you know, I've reached out for help because I thought that I was the only one. And all of a sudden us being able to have that conversation yeah. in a safe environment together, mm. like we both felt so much more at ease about it. Yeah. And it was like I could approach those situations with like – less rage and more like you're having one of those moments where you mm. feel really angry. Mm. This is not your baby's fault. This is a normal feeling. This is a normal emotion. Yeah. What outside of like taking yourself out of the house, like what are some, I guess, either shifts or, or things that you would do to kind of decrease that feeling of anger or frustration? I would say to my husband, and I was lucky that he, you know, he was home. We both worked from home and mm. that's very lucky. Mm. Um, and I would say to him, like, I'm tapping out. I'm mm. so, so done. But I probably wouldn't say it like that. I'd, there'd be a lot of swear words and yelling <laughs> and I'd be like, <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> yeah, it was just uh, most of the time, to be honest, I had to either remove myself from the situation or yeah. I would, if it was at night, which it very often was, yes. um, we would take turns. And like, okay. even though Zadie wouldn't go to bed with Stuart, I needed to go to sleep. So I would go yes. and sleep, try and sleep try it was obviously very hard when your baby's in a room crying with your husband but I would put on white noise and just be like I can't deal with it right now yes. and she will be okay mm-hmm. um the other thing that often calmed her well, always calmed her was the carrier so she oh, would yes. go on Stuart and he would yeah. go out for a walk and I would just decompress I yes. think I had like a bath a day <laughs> for yeah, the first wow. year of 80s life because I was like it's the only way I can relax getting in the bath <laughs> oh of like hot goodness. water so he would ve- and he's, he's amazing like I think the other thing is he is so calm. He doesn't mm. – his emotional well-being doesn't really change depending on external circumstances. Okay. It's remarkable. I, I don't understand it and, I, and, and I'm very grateful for it. But yeah. he can be so tired. Zadie can be so upset. I can be screaming and he's like, cool, so what What? what can we do to, like, you know, help yeah, the situation? Wow. It's ridiculous but it's amazing. <laughs> and how does he – in those situations, I guess, like – how does he react? I know you're saying he's calm, but I mean, like, after the fact, like, how's his reaction to you in terms of, like, does he help to give you strategies or does he just understand that, like, that's your capacity level? Um, I think a bit of both. He's a very, like, no BS kind of guy. And, okay. Um, in the beginning of our relationship, it caused a lot of issues. I was, I had quite bad anxiety. I was on anxiety medication and he found it very difficult to understand anxiety and mm-hmm. it was something that we would struggle with all the time. Because I would say, oh, it's making me anxious. And he was like, but just don't let it. And I was like, yeah, that's not how it works. Yes, okay. (laughs) It's not how it works. Um, But I guess over the years, because he's so black and white Mm -hmm. and he's so – he's from South Africa and he's Mm. just very like – 
I've said this before, but he's he'll always say like, you've got a roof over your head, you've got food on your table, like just there's no need to get yourself worked up. Like go and take 10 minutes. Yeah. And in the beginning, I hated that tough love. And I'd be like, yes. you're dismissing me, you're not giving me what I need. And over the years, I've actually really liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I've okay. really grown to be like, I, like, I need that tough love. Because yes. I think when I, not necessarily in this early stage of parenthood, because there's so much going on, yep. but in general life day to day, I really appreciate mm. that tough love. Yeah, for sure. Um, like last night, Zadie didn't sleep and I immediately started to lose it. I was like, yeah. you know, I, I, for me, I feel like I've almost got, I don't want to say PTSD, but I've, I've got like some severe triggers around sleep. Yeah. And as soon as she shows early on in the night at 8pm that she's not going to go yeah. to bed, I know that it's going to be a whole night. I can night. feel that too. And you just start to get like, insane. yeah, anxious yeah. and I can't even like breathe properly and I'm yeah. like, it's starting and I'm running around trying to do things and... He just he was like, Eliza, this is the first night in a week. We have slept every other night. Mm. Just calm down. Take a breath. I'm going in there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and you just calm yourself down. Do what you need to do, and I'll be out. And if she's not asleep, we'll deal with it then, okay? Oh, my God. He's so much like Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) But it's helpful sometimes. It's so helpful. Do you ever get the feeling, because I know, like, what you're saying then about as soon as, you know, she becomes unsettled, you, like, start, you know, going into all the feelings and the anxiety and I relate to that a lot of when I go to bed at night I feel like the first hour I lay there just with oh, this anxious yeah. feeling of like oh my god okay we got past nine thirty. does this mean he's gonna wake at 10 or are we gonna get to one o'clock like it's almost yeah. like I'm anticipating the wake up so much so even the nights that I get a full sleep I've spent half of it waiting for him to almost yes. wake up. Nodding my head aggressively. <gasps> it's me every night. And then I check the monitors 15 bloody times. Oh. And I'm like, oh, she's moved. Wait a second. She might have moved because she's going to wake up in 10 oh. minutes. And that might be because, oh, she's hit her head. Oh, God, she might be awake soon. She's knocked her head on this. I know. And Stuart will, like, lay down and he's asleep in 30 seconds. Oh, I'm like, stuff you. Crazy. Like, how do you turn off your brain like that? <laughs> it's just the anxiety that, yeah, comes with it as such – it's such a flow-on yeah. kind of effect, isn't it? it it's is. just yeah. Apart from like the sleep and the challenges, you know, what have been some of the beautiful moments that you just, I guess, were better than you could have ever expected? Before I had a baby, I remember seeing people, probably you, being like, <laughs> oh, so-and-so, my daughter, my son, they're just my best little friend. And oh. I was always like, that's, I don't know. I just I always thought, oh, that's cute. But like, I couldn't, you know, that was as far as I thought. And now I'm like, she's literally my best friend. Like, <laughs> I just want to hang out with her all the time and like show her things and play with her and do things and like. She's so cool. It's so good, isn't it? <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I don't know when. I think from probably 10 months onwards for yeah, me, it was definitely. just the best. Like I just, this age is phenomenal. And do you know the coolest part? Mm. It just keeps getting better. I know, people say that. It's I'm like, can it get so better? so <laughs> cool. Because I'm the same. I feel like I used to always say to my mum, if I could just have a 10-month-old, I'd have 10. Yeah. Like literally if I didn't have to go through those first 10 months, I mm. would have 11 yeah. kids. <laughs> There is so much just joy mm-hmm. and this, I don't know, this wild way of bringing you into the present moment that you've yes. never experienced oh gosh, yes. before. And I, I actually really get what you said about like people saying, oh, my little, my best mate. And, and it's funny, I think because I had a girl first, I always thought that like, well, it was natural for her to be my best friend because we're like, we're girls and yeah, yeah, yeah. I have other friends that had boys. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'd connect enough with a boy. But now I've got a boy and I'm like, it's the same with both. Like yeah. it's just this wild appreciation for this little human that you have created but the emotions that come with it like the polarities in motherhood are Mm. insane like nothing could ever (laughs) ever compare to it and it's funny because one of my best friends hasn't had kids yet 
and she's really obviously surrounded by everyone that has kids. She's really been unsure if she even wants to have a child. And she said to me, I just don't get like how you can still enjoy something that is so hard and that like makes your life so hard. Mm. And I think it was Marcia Leone, not so mumsy on Instagram, Mm. posted a reel a few weeks ago about the glimmers. And basically the definition of the glimmers were these little moments in everyday life with your children that are like these glimmers of joy or happiness or pure presence that you could never feel from anything else except for that moment that your kids have brought you. Mm. So even though there's the sleepless nights and the teething and all the like, you know, emotions and that that come with it, there's these little glimmers in every day and it's like you wouldn't give any of that up for anything in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Just watching like a human evolve is just insane. Like every day they know a new word or I also think from 10 months onwards, they're loving. And like, I know yes. that almost sounds selfish, but like, you don't get much. No, <laughs> you're giving so much. You're giving, you're giving so nothing. much. And now, you know, they'll come up to you and cuddle you and say, love you. And like, just even just the way she says, mama, I'm like, I just love you. Like, I'm oh, just, it's so just the most beautiful good. thing in the world. And yes. Just, yeah. It, it is funny. You're, you're totally right. It's so polarized. If you could go back to younger Eliza, what would you tell her? What would you wish that she maybe knew back then? Or are you glad that she didn't know any of it? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I think because I, because I was a midwife, I was so sure that that first six months or first 12 months I'd have easy, like under my belt so easy. Yeah. And for me it was so not easy and it was not overly enjoyable. I know that I, I almost feel bad saying that, but I, I just I've really struggled with with motherhood. And I think at the time as well I'd launched my motherhood hydration powder. Yes. I'd done it with Franjo's Kitchen, who now I've bought. But at the time, you know, to me, they were like this big business and I got this opportunity and I had to, and with COVID and all of the things that had happened, my motherhood hydration powder had launched, I think two weeks before I gave birth and I had put my life savings into this. So it had Crazy. to bloody work. And at the yeah. time as well, like I had done nothing like it. I didn't, mm. I didn't have any knowledge about business and products or products, sorry, in the e-com world. And so I was... I was having a baby and I was launching this other thing that I had put my blood, sweat and tears into almost simultaneously. And so I was trying so hard to get that right. And I almost felt like I just, I didn't give either a hundred percent. And I I, don't, I hate that in my personality. Yeah. I don't like to do that. I don't like to have half, half. And mm-hmm. um, that was really challenging because I had yeah a baby who, who, who never, slept, yeah. never slept. And so I did every single work call for the first six months, every single work day with her on my chest, but I had to be bouncing and I had to be standing. You would never sit down or she would never sleep. Um, and so, yeah, I was just bouncing for six months straight. And I just remember being so resentful of the situation and obviously not now, as I've just said, she's the best. She's the coolest little human in the bloody world. But at the time, I know that I took on too much and I had way yes. too high expectations of myself. And so I think looking back, I'd kind of be like, now's not the season for you to be working that hard on a yes, product. Yes, to try to do it all. Kind yeah, of and, 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 yeah, and launch this product. And I know, like, I know you're so passionate about that, but maybe wait six months. Yes. Um, and I wish that I'd kind of just taken a little bit more of a back step and just been mm. like, it is the season to just be like on the couch trying to just feed and breastfeed and you've got your sore nipples and you've got your leaking milk and mm-hmm. I put like a blazer over a, <laughs> over like a dressing gown and be like, <laughs> try and look professional. But yeah, I mean, it's all, you, you look back, I've learned so much. It's been my biggest learning lesson. So, Is there a part of you that thinks maybe like if you do have another child that that season will, hope, will look different? 
for you? Yes and no. I think anyone that has their own business knows that it's very difficult to take yeah. time off. Um, and also I chose this, you know, like yes. at the end of the day, I chose this because I'm so passionate about this. Mm. I think when I launched my motherhood hydration powder, I was like, well, what's next? Because the only things I care about are consumables. But I can't be like Frando's Kitchen because <laughs> I've just launched a product with them. But now, so it was like a juggle of being like, I don't know what to do next. And then I yeah. had this you know, amazing opportunity to buy them and and come into the company full time. And so now I'm doing something that I'm literally obsessed with. And it's yeah. so cool, so stressful, but so cool and so fun. And I'm still working with women every single day in a different yes. different way. For me, I just love that. And it's it's become such a huge part of my identity. Yes. Um, and I think that's actually okay to have, to have both. But Absolutely. it's just about putting in the systems that you can't do both 100% because it's just not um, realistic. Yeah. Even now, we only have two days of care a week. So the other five days <laughs> we juggle like there's no no tomorrow. Wow. Um, but it is what it is and it's amazing. I know we'll look back and be like, how did we do that? We mustn't have slept much. <laughs> and how are you feeling now like you've just taken on your second empire? Like oh. Bump and Bub in itself is literally an empire and now you've just taken on – become an owner of a whole nother business, which like you said, is consumables, like mm. products that you're selling. Yeah. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. I mean, it's only been, what are we in our fourth month? It feels mm. like four years, I won't lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and phenomenal, really, to be honest. Like I still I still don't think it's sunk in that like it's mine and I, and I, I still don't think it's sunk in. <laughs> um, and there's just so much I want to do. Um, but Frangio's Kitchen was such a massive part of my own pregnancy and postpartum journey. And I yes. worked with the team for the last four years. So mm-hmm. I'm so across it and, you know, obsessed with it anyway. And so it was kind of a natural progression mm-hmm. with the hydration powders into owning it. Um, yes. But yeah, just amazing. And I think, you know, I've got a really beautiful team, an amazing team as we were kind of just chatting about briefly, but um, a team that everyone always says, you know, no one will ever care about your business as much as you do. And yes. that's totally true. But somehow I found some unicorn humans that literally <laughs> do. Um, and so on the days where I'm like, so sorry, I've got Zadie all day. I'm literally not going to be able to take a meeting. They're like, no problem. We're on it. Wow. And that's that's strange because with Bump and Bub, it was like, you know, I'd have some contractors help me or whatever. But now I have a team. Yes. And yeah, it's amazing. It's it's going to be a phenomenal empire um, and it's got a long road ahead. It but is it's exciting. so amazing. Yeah. So for anyone who is breastfeeding or I still eat them flat chat like I think if you're a mum full stop you can have them 100% but the cookies from Franjo's kitchen are like the (laughs) best and do you know um what was so exciting I remember when I went into our local grocer and I don't I don't think as like a friend there's any prouder moment than seeing like your friend shine and so for me to walk into our local grocer which is really big where we live and to see all of the cookies and your hydration powder on the shelf I was like Oh my god, that's my friend's product. Oh, that's my friend. That's my friend. But yeah. you're just achieving such insane and phenomenal things and you're such a huge inspiration to me and yeah, thank you so much for being here. I love everything that you're doing and everything that you stand for. And thank you. I, I honestly like all of my early business lessons were from your podcast. Like literally 5 years <laughs> from ago. From my guests. From your guests. Yeah, like oh, literally I was on Wish I could say they might. <laughs> You facilitated it, so just about. Um, but, yeah, so much of what I learned has literally been from your podcast, so oh, thank you. Thank you. I still remember, like, you'd do little Instagram stories on your walks in Hong Kong, and I was like, oh, my God, how cool is this girl in Hong Kong? And we, <laughs> we would have thought that 
and become business besties <laughs> after that. I love it. Oh, thank you so much for your time, Eliza. If anyone wants to obviously find you, buy your products, where can they check you out? Bump and Bub on Instagram, Bump and Bub. Um, <laughs> and then Franjo's Kitchen. So we do pregnancy, lactation and postpartum consumables for mamas. Amazing. And I'll put all of those links in the show notes. But thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Mads. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I really hope it gave you a healthy boost. I'm so excited to be back next week for new episodes. But until then, if you want to chat, my DMs are always open. You can find me on Instagram, one of my favorite places to hang out, at Madeline Carafa or at The Healthy Hustlers. And of course, if you did enjoy this show, please feel free to share it with a friend or family member who might benefit from it too. Not only does it really help the show, but it also helps other people on their health and wellness journey. All the links that have been mentioned in the episode, you can find in the show notes. And until next time, don't forget to keep your hustle nice and healthy.